Welcome to the boxing match to decide the fate of film as we know it. You might have thought it would be Rocky. You might have thought Raging Bull. You might even have thought Million Dollar Baby. But no, in the red corner, wearing red and black trunks is... In the other corner, wearing many different trousers all at the same time, it's... And all their friends. So without any further ado, let's get ready to rumble! Good evening and welcome to Netflix vs. Cinema. My name is Tosin, I am your host and I shall be taking you through the next hour or so as we talk about this great boxing match that is coming to decide the fate of film as we know it. With me, based on the Isle of Wight, are Sharon. Hello. And Sean. Hi, yeah. <laughs> right, yes. Now, these are my good friends. Happy New Year, guys. Happy, happy New Year. Oh, yeah, happy New happy Year to you, too. Yeah. Yes, I know. It's been ages since we've actually spoken. I feel like it's been absolutely... It's, I feel like it's been ages. So, it's so good to hear you guys. It's it's too long. <laughs> yes, yes, I know. I know. And now, this is... So, we'll... Exp what we, we decided that what we're going to do with this show, because we've done a couple of podcasts, haven't we, um, all together? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because... We've had a variety of... We've had a variety of... of we've had lots of, lots of uh, different... Yeah, we've, we've had some adventures, really. You could yeah, call them adventures. Yeah, going back a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. It's, it's actually... It, because I, I was actually listening through to some of our back catalogue, and I was actually getting a bit teary-eyed at some of the stuff that we've done, because the first thing we did was a show called They Don't Make Him Like They Used To, which is where we were looking uh -huh. back. We were looking back in time, and we are looking at pre-1980 movies and fawning over how lovely they were, and harking back to a golden age of cinema, where cinema was like, you know, the best show in town. Then we did a show that has just gone sort of like, that was a straight-up, film review show where we just went to the cinema every single week we watched films and we just said what we thought about them and now we and now we we seem to just be going for, forward and forward in time because now we've we've jumped one step on from that because zeb who isn't with us today because he is um studying for exams it kind of tells you what his age is and tells you how this all came about he's studying for exams and he was when we were doing the film review show um on vectors radio Zeb kept saying, oh, oh, oh what, about, uh, what about things on Netflix? What about those people who can't get up and go to the cinema? How about that? And we started realizing that all of a sudden, this whole Netflix thing was becoming more and more of a player. I mean, if, if you hadn't already seen that, like it was becoming more and more of a player and we, were, we couldn't just sit down and go, no, 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 film, cinema anymore. And so we decided to have a show in which we talked Netflix for the cinema. Isn't that right, guys? Yes. That's right, yeah. And exactly. I think as well for students and for people who are maybe on a fixed income, going to the cinema can be quite a costly expedition if you don't have like a membership card that allows you to go as many times as you like. One trip to the cinema, if you buy a drink or something, can cost you £10 a time, whereas that will buy you a month's worth of yeah. Netflix, won't it's it? It's true. It's true. So it was a case of, you know, actually for some of the younger people who listen and they listen to podcasts, they're going to be more interested in what they see all the time and what's more accessible to them. So it just... It broadens our, our listenership, doesn't it? It does. I, I mean, I'm sort of thinking, I'm sort of hoping in the way that, that maybe cinema will go to like it was when I was younger and they're, they're, become, an they're, event they're, they're become an event more than, you know, because for me, 
Um, I must have, the multiplexes, you know, they're okay and they're good to see a film, but there's quite a few films you could see at the cinema that would quite easily transition to TV. Yes, and there's still some things you, you yeah, have to you, see on a big but screen. But there's things, there's some movies that, that you do have to see on a big screen, so... Because for that immersive experience, because yeah, exactly. at home you've got people coming and going, you can hear, well in my house, you can hear the television that's on in the other room. You can um, make yourself a cup of tea. And you can, you? Yeah, yeah, there's always something going on. Whereas in the cinema, the lights are down, the, the noise is down, most people are, restrict the rustling of their popcorn to a dull roar, and then you can actually immerse yourself in, in what's yeah. going on in front of you. And some films need that, absolutely need that. I must, uh, sometimes as well, going to the cinema, I don't know if you've experienced this, sometimes you can get quite emotional. You oh, can yeah. get yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, much totally. more than TV, I think. Sometimes you can almost have a... You're tearing up. Tear yeah. your eye. You're thinking, oh my goodness me. Well, I'm, I'm you know? always tearing up at the cinema. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think I, it was because you're so focused on what you're seeing. I think so. Your yeah. emotions, you don't, your thoughts aren't uh, occupied with anything else. Or because often when I'm watching the television, I normally have a book on one side. I've got a bit of sewing on the other. I've got a bit yeah. of, you know, pack of sweets with me. And I'm, the, the, you're not completely immersed in what you're seeing. Uh, so even though I do get emotionally involved in what I'm seeing, sometimes it doesn't, it hasn't the same at all by any means as what I see, you know, in on the in the, at the flicks. At the flicks, yeah. <laughs> at the flicks. Well, as I, I say, I find myself. Yeah, sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say. Go, toast, I, yeah. I, I was just going to say. Uh, uh, well, I agree with you guys because going on with this whole boxing match thing, I was sort of like. I was thinking about it and I was thinking, yeah, it really is actually kind of like a boxing match. You have like these two big things and they're sort of like duking it out. But they're a bit different because I feel like cinema is a bit like a heavyweight. It's kind of like this big thing. It's been there for ages. It's not able to move that quickly. And Netflix is able to sort of like, you know, dart in and out and change things really quickly and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And so it's really interesting. It's really interesting to see what's going to happen because I know Hollywood is freaking out all like all the time about oh how are we going to get people back into the cinemas how are we going to get people back into the cinemas and they're fighting against netflix they don't want netflix to compete at things like the Cannes film festival for the palm door they say no it's cinema it must be on a big screen if it's going to be cinema and it's 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 interesting it's interesting so what we decided to do in our own way because we might not have the best um well we might not have the best oh what's the word uh intellectual approach to it or anything like that but we're just going to watch stuff we're just going to watch what's on available on netflix we're going to watch what's available at cinema each week and we're going to come back in and we're going to be like right which one of, which one gave us the better time this week and from that point on we're just going to go forward and say all right cool what we got going does this does that sound good to you guys that sounds, sounds good yeah sounds good sounds good <laughs> okay sure sure did i did i cut you off earlier did i cut you off from saying something uh you probably did, but it doesn't really matter because I think I was just so. so we'll make up for it. Yeah, we'll make up for it. We'll make up for it, definitely. Yeah. No, oh. no, that's okay. That's fine. Okay, cool. So, so, so I spend most of today actually uh, coming up with a wonderfully over the top 80s um, sort of like fighting intro, which Sean has already told me might be a little bit too long. But, <laughs> so, but, but I. I was thinking it's. Go on, Sharon, what was your... It hit? reminds me almost of like MMA, mixed martial arts fighting, because <laughs> you do get like the heavyweights and you get these little bantywee guys who are like Bruce Lee, who are fight, paired up against each other. And But you can't guarantee the outcome because sometimes there's sort of little bite, the, you know, the, the Bruce Lee guy can take down, you know, yeah. Rocky, Bal you know Rocky Balboa because of, you know, they're, they're, they're just not on the similar, they're, they're in the same ring, but they're not... <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> fighting by the same rules. Yeah. Uh, once again, Sharon, you have taken my ramblings and made them into something eloquent and intelligent. Something. Made some sense. Yeah. <laughs> made some sense out of the ramblings. Made some sense out of yeah. the ramblings. So I don't actually. Uh, so I don't know who what it is. I'm not entirely sure what, what films it is that we've all seen, but we're just going to go ahead with it and see what we can come up with this week. And I want to say thank you to the six people who subscribed to us already uh, on, the, hey. on the strength or weakness, however you look at it, of our opening episode. So thank you so much. Well, that's a fist... That's a fist plus one, isn't it? So yeah. we can do some punching with that. Yes, yes. A f- a f- oh, ooh, uh, you are getting into this boxing thing. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So, what have we seen? Because this is this might be a bit of a bumper one because we haven't seen each other since before Christmas. We're recording this thing on the tenth of January, I believe it is. So we are, yes. and so there might have been a couple of films that have actually sort of like shoved their way in there. So, what we seen, Sean? You want to head off first? So, uh, yeah, I can start off. Well, the films I've seen uh, past couple of weeks was the favourite. Ooh, the favourite, yeah. And welcome to Marwin. Okay. Well, so welcome to Marwin. I don't know if you know any. If you, I've known uh, them both. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen either, but I know them both. Yeah, I've okay, seen that. Cool. And then I, I, I did watch something on Netflix, code, yeah. but that was it. My that was when I was over my mum's. Yeah. And it was a film called A Prayer Before Dawn, but I think it was was sort of a couple of, might might have been a couple of years old. But I just saw it and I thought, oh, that looks interesting. Okay. So. So that, that's my, and probably, what else have I seen? I must have seen some other okay. stuff, but that's, that's the majority you. stuff. Yeah. Okay, so and you... it, obviously it wasn't very good if I did. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't very good. It's, okay, not, we just, not if I did. No, yeah, no the might, things I saw. Were, that might yeah. not be a big hitter for either Netflix or cinema, whichever one it was. All right, cool. How about you, mm. how about you Sharon? What did you see? Yeah, the last two films I've seen at the cinema were, one was Tulip Fever, Okay. Which is a film that's been around for a long time. I mean, I remember seeing yeah, the trailer been, for it a long time ago. That's been, but that's it only been held back for like five years. Yeah. Oh, it's been out there a long time. I mean, I'm, I was kept thinking, has it gone to DVD yet? Or, no, sorry, that dates me. Has it gone to streaming yet? Or has it gone, you know, <laughs> I thought, has it just bypassed the cinema? And then it appeared and I thought, wow, I'm sure that's an old film. But yeah, I saw Tulip Fever um, before, just in, that, in the tweeny bit. And I've just recently seen Mary Poppins Returns. Ah, Mary Poppins Returns. Okay, cool. And I know that you have, for the purposes of this show, you've shown your, you've shown your, what's the word, your dedication. And you've actually yes. dipped your toe, dipped your toe into this crazy new streaming world. And you've gone and got yourself a trial Netflix subscription. Yes, because you can get one month free, so you can see if you you can suck it and see basically. So I have on the first of January, I signed up to Netflix. Wow! And I have dived straight in. All right. So <laughs> and I, so I have seen a couple of films and a couple. I did binge watch because I've only just gone back to work, so I had a week off work. So I managed to binge watch two series, and I've watched about three films. All right, so binge cool. watching was one of the rules, wasn't it? So yes. that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, because good news. in the first thing, we had, three, we had three rules. We said that, okay, first of all, if you're going to watch something at Netflix or at home, it has to be something that you haven't seen before. If it's a TV yes. series, you have to have finished the series. So if it's series one of, I don't know, The Walking Dead or something like that, you have to have finished that if you're going to talk about it on the show. You can't just come on the strength of three episodes. Yes, because things just veer off halfway through sometimes. You start off loving it and then you go, oh. 
Yeah. Halfway through. <laughs> yeah. You have to finish the story. You have to finish the story. And the, the third one was that we want to get as many Netflix originals in or the original filmic content that's being made by these streaming things, by Netflix, by Amazon Prime, by all those sort of things. So what did you yes. see? What did you see online? So the two, uh, the films I saw online was one called July 22. Oh, yeah. Which is um, a Netflix original for made for Netflix by, is it Paul Greengrass? Paul Greengrass, yeah. Paul Greengrass, yeah. Yes, and, he, and it's based on the, the terror attacks in Norway yeah. in which 78 people got killed on, in one day. Yeah. And a youth, this youth camp on the island of Utoya. So the, the, I saw that film. And I also saw one that was connected. I, did, I saw like two real life dramas. One was called Six Days. And it was about the Iranian embassy siege and yep, how yep, the SAS yep. took them down. Yeah. So I saw those two films. And I also saw Outlaw King. But I know you mentioned that before. I mentioned, yeah. In, in, I've seen Outlaw King. In our, your groundbreaking episode. <laughs> so I saw... I saw Outlaw King, so I know you've commented on that. And then the two binge watches. I binge watched The Last Kingdom because season three, because it had been on BBC, and then I think Netflix bought the option for it. And so the the season three and then season four they've just announced is going to be on Netflix, either yep. exclusively or you know going to be premiered there. So I saw Last Kingdom. And I also saw, uh, it's called a limited series. So I think it's only, it's obviously just the one. And it was called Godless, which is a oh, Western series. Oh, yeah, that yeah, I yeah, I heard of that. So that's my binge watches and Good my look. films. I did actually see another film, which I almost hesitate to mention. But I, we talked about it on our show, our previous show. Yep. But I did see The Kissing Booth. <laughs> because I'd heard so much about it. <laughs> and I thought, if this is supposed to be the breakfast club for this generation, the millennials, then I thought, oh, I need to see it. I thought it was awful, but it does, it's not for me. But I did see young, it. For young people, is I, it? I'll, yeah. I'll say it wants to be the breakfast club of this generation. As I said, so much yes. so that it cast Molly Ringwald and has Don't You Forget About Me. <laughs> yes. Oh and it's goodness. like a purely eighties. The half soundtrack. I thought, hang on, they've been watching the brat, you know, the the Brat Pack films of the eighties. Yeah, yeah, this the, guy, he knows he's John Hughes. You yeah, made it, yeah. But the, it just hasn't got the uh, the heart of those films, in my opinion. Okay, cool. All right, good. So you you went. How about you, guy? How about you? What about you? Tony? Yeah. What about you? What have okay, you seen? I haven't, you haven't told us. Okay, I've seen Welcome to Marwen. You haven't seen nothing, have you? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen Welcome to Marwen. Uh, I saw Bumblebee. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. I saw Bumblebee. I saw Aquaman. Oh, I yeah, saw Aquaman. Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> We've got one thing in common. I have seen something else. Mm. <laughs> that was before Christmas, though, wasn't I'd it? I'd forgotten oh, about that. Was it or not? It was that good. I'd forgotten um, about it. Mm. It, I, I think, I think yeah. Aqu- Aquaman was before Christmas over in, in, in <laughs> yeah. yeah, Aquaman was before Christmas. So, yeah, I've, see, I've seen Aquaman. And um, let's see, on Netflix, I think, Sharon, if you're talking about the sort of films that are trying to be like John Hughes, I would recommend a film called To All the Boys I've, Learned, I've Loved Before. Okay, I've seen that on there. Because yeah. where I saw The Kissing Booth, it keeps sending me all these teen films. Because you watch this, you may want to watch this. And it's like, you know, I really don't. Mm. <laughs> Well, I think, but I might try that one then. I think I think I've already seen. Oh, I I prefer that to the Kissing Booth, but I think you. Okay. I think already we. I, I spot a problem we're going to have, because when we were just doing a cinema show, we would just go, okay, what's on the cinema? And because of time restrictions and all that, and because of 
how, well, space restrictions, you only really have a couple of new films at the cinema each week that you can go watch. However, on Netflix, it's endless. So already, yes, it's there. I think we have like a list of 15 films on here that we're going to try and crab it. Or we're going to try that's and it. Yeah, but, but that's quite good because, you know, we don't keeps have to we can just say a little bit about keeps us focused and we can give our uh, give our quick thoughts. OK, so let's kick Aquaman. off. Yeah, let's kick off with the only <laughs> film all of us have seen. And uh, so, even though we'd forgotten we had, yeah, yeah, yeah well, well, you guys, you guys did. Uh, to be honest with you, I almost did. I almost forgot I did. But so, um, so shall, shall coming, I go first on this one? Yeah, yeah. So coming out of its corner, swinging its cinema with its opening salvo, Aquaman. Sean, go for it. Okay. Yeah. Um. I thought I I, I thought the CGI was quite good in this. I really liked the the big battle scenes, but I didn't. I didn't. From a personal point of view, I didn't really, it didn't grab me. I mm-hmm. thought Wonder Woman was much better. I have heard some people say that they thought this was better than Wonder Woman. For me, personally, I'm afraid it just didn't do it. I don't know about you, Shannon. If you, I mean, it depends how quick we'll be we'll going to move pretty fast because I want to know about Godless and some of those I Netflix stuff. I will put my cards on the table. I went to see Aquaman for mainly superficial reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever what do you, you mean? <laughs> you... What? Who would you choose out of him or The Rock? Jason Momoa. Oh, the Rock. No, um, oh, I'd probably go for The Rock. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> he has a twinkle. Man. I'd like his twinkle. <laughs> okay. And that's not a euphemism. Let's <laughs> get out there. <laughs> okay. All right. So I would. Uh, so. So with this, I think okay for those of people who don't know, Aquaman is the new superhero movie in the DC universe. So this is where Batman is. This is where Superman is. Because I know all of us are kind of like into our comic stuff, but I know that there's a couple of people who still don't know their Marvel from their DC. So if you're talking Captain America, Iron Man, Avengers, that's Marvel. If you're talking Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, that's DC. So this is, and DC have had a really, really bad run. They have had a really, really bad run recently of trying to catch up with Marvel and everything they're doing. And I think Batman vs. Superman, you can hear numerous shows of us just sort of like laying into that film. Justice League was a disappointment. And Aquaman, I think, was kind of like, there, was, there were like zero expectations for, for this film. Zero expectations for this when they released it. And I think, to their credit... The director knows about this, and I think I feel like they've let the, left the director to do his stuff. So it's James Wan who directed, I think, Fast and Furious Seven. And yeah, I, I wasn't keen on that. <laughs> and he's, he's, I'm not keen on any of the Fast and Furious, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, no, yeah, you're you're a Fast and Furious hater. Uh, I am. Yeah, except for Tokyo Drift. Tokyo, I Tokyo Drift. Okay, and it's so you. So this is James Wan. He, he directed Number Seven, and he's he's done the Conjuring films and all that. And in, uh, to their credit, I feel as if they're, they're, they're a little bit in on the joke in this film. And this film has, I, mean, I remember I wrote a Facebook post after I watched this film. And it was just kind of like, you know, going, uh, going on about, well, pretty much everything that's wrong with it. But, it. but at the same time, at the same time, even though I have all these things, okay, this is what I wrote. I wrote, the dialogue is terrible. Whole swathes of this film are just exposition. It's better when they're not talking and you can just focus on the pretty pictures. It does things that have already been done in better superhero movies this year. That's 2018. I genuinely was not surprised once by this film. It randomly tries to become a romantic comedy about an hour into the film. And it's le- is the lesser of the Randall Park and minor role superhero movies of the year. The, the better one being Ant-Man and the Wasp. 
but I would still recommend it. It was good fun. Some kids actually applauded when the film ended. And I, the way I put it to a friend is like, I'm not sure whether I liked it or not, but I did enjoy it. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think it was it was fun and forgettable. Yeah. Fun and forgettable. That is, that is, so that is I think, so you know, I enjoyed it while it lasted. Thing, it? I yeah. didn't, you know, Rave. overthink it. And I, it probably was gone out of my head by the time I walked home. But it was, you know, it, you, you can't fault it for saying, you know, it wasn't badly done. It's just for me, it was just superficial. More yeah, than almost well, every level. Okay. It was, uh, as far as it was better than Suicide Squad, better than Batman for Superman, and better than Justice League. No, no, no. Suicide Squad is, is by far the most. Better than it's, that's Justice my favourite DC movie. Better than, oh, way better than Justice League. Well, Wait, well, Wonder yeah, Woman, pro- probably, Wonder, probably Wonder Woman, Suicide Squad. Uh, I mean, I really, a lot of people hate it, and I know the CGI at the end with the thing was a bit bad, but I just really, really liked Suicide Squad, and I hope, hopefully, there'll be another one. And I yeah. love, and for all you haters of that, of Jay Leto's Joker, I love him. I think he's absolutely brilliant as the Joker. <laughs> I think so, for, sorry about that. For me, I'd have to say it's, uh, I think, in no particular order, the good ones are Wonder Woman, the first half of Man of Steel, and Aquaman, and the ones I don't like. Man of Steel's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I think the first half of Man of Steel. I have a lot of love for the first half of Man of Steel, and the the ones I don't. Okay, the ones I don't like is definitely Batman vs Superman at the bottom, Justice League, and Suicide Squad. I mean, when I watched it, I was like, oh, it's all right enough. But the more I think about it, the more that film annoys me. <laughs> I remembered. I'm going to go off on one of my tangents here. I remembered what I saw over Christmas. Yeah, which <laughs> I saw, and I think I think we did it on a previous show, and I said how much I hated it, and I thought, I'm going to be forgiven, and I'm going to watch this film again, and I, it was just on TV, I'm going to watch this film again, and I'm going to see if I can be that forgiven, and that was War for Planet of the Apes, and I hated it even more, and it got me really, really angry, and I really, really loathe that film. It's been... So that was the other one I want to say about. Okay, Sorry, let's breath. go back to back. Take a breath. <laughs> yeah. Sean, it, it's gone, it's gone. It's film gone. Have, it's history, you haven't yeah, seen before. Let it, let it go. But sometimes you can watch a film again and, oh, and yeah. it's either, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, you know, you can be a bit more forgiven. It and I, I, I must say, I was thinking because of that Justice League, I did actually, no, yeah, Justice League, or was it, I, I don't know, I get confused, sorry. Yeah, because you didn't you see Batman and Superman again and the, on the revisit, you yeah, thought yeah, it was Yeah, yeah. I thought it, was, it still wasn't good, but no. it was better than seeing it the first time. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes you have to try to revisit yeah. when you go, oh, it was Marmite to me when you yeah. don't like Marmite. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like a love-hate thing. Mm. And so sometimes you go, oh, it can't be that bad. If I watch it again, give it another yeah. go, maybe I'll yeah. come around to it. But okay. some films are just still Marmite. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. how, <laughs> ma- how many stars would you give Aquaman? Three. Three. Yeah, three. I think, I think, I think this, <laughs> this film is a nailed-on three-star film. But it's, I mean, there's some good performances in it. Well, mainly Jason Momoa, I think. Yeah, because yeah, he's just likable, isn't he? He just he's comes likeable. across as being a, a, a likable guy. He's likable. You can see that, William, you can almost see William Defoe just collecting a check. But yes. yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's pretty, pretty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. And I know Amber Heard is in, and people are sort of saying big things about her now, aren't they? But to me, she's one of those pretty faces that I don't really. If you put her in a different wig, I probably wouldn't recognise her. Mm. Yeah, I think yeah. she's she's a very attractive lady, but she doesn't have that sort of spark that I think puts her in the league where you'll go, oh, what's she in again? And I'll look out for her. But I thought she was good in it. But to me, again, I would probably forget her yeah. before yeah, the uh, next film she does. Uh, I know it might be a horrible thing to say, but I do have serious trouble recognising Amber Heard. Uh, I know I've seen yes. a couple of films she's in, and, and each time I'm like, is that, did, who, who is do that? Do I know her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, oh, yeah, I recognise that name. All right. Okay, cool. So let's carry on. Let's crack on with uh, next film up. This is another cinema <laughs> one. 
What? Oh, another cinema one, yeah. Should we not do a Netflix one? Because okay. I'm dying to know. Okay, about... let's, we... let's do a Netflix Can one. we do Godless? Let's do Godless. Can we do Godless? So, Sharon, you watched because the entire Sharon's seen season this I saw the whole thing, yeah. I think it's only eight or ten episodes. But it's, yeah, it's like a one-off thing. And it's set in the post-Civil War America, so early 1860s. And there are still these sort of bands of like um, guerrilla um, people who formed these. The start of like the American outlaw was, you know, started after the Civil War when you had these gangs of what were guerrillas before the, uh, the bushwhackers and other people, um, and they created these gangs. And one of these big gangs has basically been holding towns to terror. And the series starts off with basically a massacre in this railroad town. And you don't know what triggered it, but they turn up and they find this... Uh, mining town basically sorry and they find everyone in the town is dead and the, the town has been burnt to the ground and the one witness there identifies the gang leader as being responsible for it and then it sort of goes on from there and then you see this other town believably unrelated called Labal and Labal is a is a mining town where two years previously to the story beginning all of the men of the town were killed in a mining accident and so basically it's a town of four old men, a teenage boy, and 86 widows. 86 widows? Yeah. My goodness. <laughs> and so you see these parallel stories. You see the story of the gang, and then you see the story of the town. And the stories converge when one of a former gang member decides that he's going to leave the gang because he's just had enough of the senseless killing and the violence. And the... Is, is there a lot of action in this? That's a lot of action. Lot of Quite action. gory. Good quite distressing in places mm -hmm. and so yeah there's a, a lot of action so this one gang member who's played by Jack O'Connell he basically sets out on his own they have a gunfight and he's wounded and he ends up at, in this ranch outside of La Balle where the lady who owns it takes him in she's also a widow <laughs> and she's played by who was in Downton Michelle, Abbey Michelle Dockery Michelle that's, that's the one she's in it so all these British actors are in it Playing Americans. And so he, she takes him in and then her story unfolds, his story unfolds, and then you get these, the stories converge. And the leader of the gang, who is just the most vicious, awful person, is played by one of the most likeable actors on the planet, Jeff Daniels. <laughs> oh, Jeff Daniels. And he's a nice guy. ruthless and vicious yeah. and hateful in this he's just nuts but he's so charismatic so you've got this converging then you have this sort of violent catharsis at the end of the season sounds so you've excellent. got these build right up, up of, of, of stories that unfold the stories of each of the characters sort of gets built upon and people you immediately dismiss is like you have this pretty school teacher and it's like oh typical pretty school mom mm. turns out she's an ex-prostitute and she's the wealthiest woman in the town <laughs> so the, every character who you think are going to be like wild west stereotypes they have layers and then you unpeel the layer and you find they've all got their own stories to tell that sounds and excellent. it's just revealed yeah. through the series and it's just really well done good because we like westerns don't we yeah we like westerns yeah, I, yeah. I like the look of this. I was just looking at some yeah. reviews, and they're like tens and nines, and yeah. you know, on IMDb. It so, keeps you going because I watched it over two days, wow. so I watched all ten episodes over two days. Oh, brilliant! Sounds good. See, I'm tempted Is to it? maybe get a Netflix subscription for this one. Yes, yeah, so it's free for a month. <laughs> <laughs> free for a month. Yeah. Well, that, 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 that could tempt me. That could tempt me. 
<laughs> you know, the thing is, I, I, uh, this is the kind of show that I, I was surprised that Sean hasn't seen it yet already. Because it's like, it, it's just everything. It's like, net, it's like the Western, but it's also, like, it seems revisionist. So it's not like, you yes. know, it's not your old school. Oh, yeah, look how great everything is. It's like no. horrible and it's a hard life. And it, it gives me, I remember seeing the seeing bits of it. It gives, it gives me a very Deadwood vibe. Yes, it mm. does have that. It does have that vibe. Okay, cool. And it makes you realize as a woman watching it, how sometimes how few choices some of the women have in yeah. these towns yeah and it all depends on the protection of men so when these women are like protection you know they're without protection in terms of that their men folk aren't there and you realize that in some ways how helpless some of the women are and there's a certain scene that i won't tell you about but it it, it sort of it emphasizes that to just a, a horrendous horrific degree right cool so so well wow, that that's uh, yeah, a change from down so to four out of, uh, i would give it a four out of five for four me out of five so so net one netflix so, one Netflix at the moment. One, one, Netflix is. I tell you what, guys. At the moment, I'm actually I'm coming up with an Excel spreadsheet. So essentially, we're gonna we're gonna go mathematic about this, and at the end, we're gonna sort of collate all these things and divide it by the number and see who has the greatest average average score of everything that we said. Okay. Uh, sound good. That's to you? fair. All right. Cool. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. All right. That so sounds fair. So let's do a cinema one. How about Welcome to Marwin, Sean? What did you think of? Yeah, Welcome, Welcome to Marwin. Well, Welcome to Marwin. This should so, be interesting. So you just want to say a little Do you want to go first on this one? Okay, cool. I'll just give a quick thing about this. So this is a yep. film that's directed by Robert Zemeckis. He of uh, Back to the Future fame and all that. And this is a film based on a true story and also based on a documentary about the true story about a guy who got attacked, a guy called Mark Hogenkamp who got attacked by five people and got beaten to within an inch of his life. Who They really weren't sure whether he was going to survive or not. He's in the coma for nine days, and when he comes out of the coma, he cannot remember anything. In his words, every single memory has been beaten out of his head. And so to, to, in him trying to sort of aid his recovery, and because he, he used to be an artist, but now because they've beaten him so bad, he can't actually write his own name anymore. He struggles to write because he has to learn how to walk again. He has to... all. The, all these things, but he, he starts, instead of drawing art anymore, he starts going with these small marionette figures and, and he builds a scale model of a Belgian village during World War II in his back garden, which he calls Marwen. And he goes into this fantasy world where he's imagining what's happening and this, because he, the, the, um, the, the chief doll is like called Hoagie, named after him. And it's the, they use really, really good performance capture so that all the dolls look like the people in the real life. So because every single doll in this town is based on somebody he's met in real life that he sort of incorporates into this thing. And, it, and he, the, the guys who beat him up, uh, they are shown as Nazis. So the guys who show us Nazis and they keep coming and invading this town and each time, he tries to, each time he tries to kill them, they keep coming back and all that. And so it has this dual thing where in real life, you're following this guy as he's trying to come out from this thing where he got beaten and everything. And then in the fantasy, like, you, you see all these, essentially it's like a rip-roaring 1950s World War II movie. <laughs> um, that they that they but they, that it's all acted out by these <laughs> by these dolls which is his own personal sort of dirty dozen or something yeah so, pretty much I, I guess yeah 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 pretty, pretty much. much pretty yeah. much so so he he, he he takes pictures of he sets he sets yeah. up the scenes you yeah. know with, with with these style action figures obviously um action you know they're action yeah. man figures and he sets up these scenes and then it's almost like he goes in so he tells a story but and I mean, I I think the transitions are really good for me. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. don't know what you thought about the 
the transitions because I didn't really know what to expect. I was on the mainland and I wanted to go out for an evening and I thought, oh, welcome to Marwin because I'd never really seen any traders or anything like that. I thought, I wonder what that's about. Um, and so, yeah, so it was a bit of a surprise because I knew nothing about this movie. And yeah, yeah, I really liked the idea. I thought it was great. And some of the characters, some of the characters were, you know, those transitions were really good, weren't they? And then what? What, what, gradually through the film, you see how where these people sort of turned up, the people in his yeah, life, because like, you know, yeah. the, 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 the oh, baddies, yeah. the bad guys, the Germans, you know, the, yeah. and, and he gets all these dolls. And, and like Tozen said, all the people that he's had contact through and, and still has contact with, you know, they're, they're, they're all sort of dolls. They're all, all like in dolls. Yeah. So, yeah. So, and I think, I think there's, it's, the, the, there's bits of the film that are actually quite whimsical and I really, really like. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is going so well. This is, it's, the, 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 the film is going, but I feel in the end it sort of like stretches for, a, it doesn't quite have the depth that you're thinking they're trying to stretch for. Sure. Yeah, I thought that as well. It was a little yeah. bit towards the end. You were starting to get a little bit. It was getting a little bit too much. You know, it was. Yeah. It's whereas, gonna. It's gonna whereas, but it started this. off. I mean, it started off great. It started mm. off really, really good and really interesting. Really. Yeah. Uh, you know, quite quite unique. Really, I thought. And then I agree with you on that toes, and it gradually, gradually. You know, Did it just... try to have too easy an answer, like too easy a solution for him. Uh, sometimes thinking these are like deep psychological issues, aren't they? And you yeah. can't just resolve it by, hey, he meets a nice girl and he gets a good job or something. You know, I, don't, I yeah. haven't seen it. So well, you yeah, don't want them to wrap it up too, too neatly at the end. But yeah. that's, the, that's the problem is that it almost kind of does that. It, it kind of goes into that. There, I mean, there's a couple of wrinkles on there and you could, and there's a bit where you can see Robert Zemeckis playing, having fun with his own back catalogue. There's a back to the future moment in there and everything. And, but what I would say is, this is this is probably the best use of performance capture that I think I've seen, because wow. I, I agree. Yeah, no, no yeah, I do. I, I agree. I because, totally. Because you know they, they've made they've, they've talked about performance capture for years and everything like that. I'm going like, oh yeah, well. And the thing is like you know like even with Avatar, which was the big one where they used performance capture, said oh for real aliens mixing with human characters, and I never and I always felt like they didn't quite look the same. And I feel like in this, mm -hmm. they've used it so that because apart from one character, every single character in his make-believe world, Marwin, you know exactly who they are because it looks exactly yeah, yeah. like the actor. Yeah. It looks exactly like the actor, but you can see that obviously it's not. It's it's like, a, and I was like, okay, this is this might actually be revolutionary because it's showing what performance capture can do and what space performance capture has to do. So I really, really liked it for that. But I think in the end, it became just a three-star film because I think some of the things that they did in the film was like, well, I think you're stretching, I think you're trying to be deeper than you're actually, you haven't earned that depth, if you get what I mean. You haven't earned that sort of like, and it made me really want to watch the original documentary about the actual guy because I feel like there might have been more depth in that. That's I, I I totally agree with everything you said there, and I give it a three stars as well. All so right. yeah, cool. two stars because it, it was you know it wasn't um yeah three stars. Yeah, but but the the, the cast is great. I love Steve Carell. In the it. cast is great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he does the one of those things where he that when those the dramatic performances where he pulls himself in, he reigns himself in, and I'm like yeah yeah really like him in this. I, 
I like I like the sort of the the very first scene as well, where you see the the bad guys, you know, like because World War Two, obviously, you got the, yeah. the Germans confronting them, you? and they were sort of laughing and saying, "Hey, hey, hey!" So yeah, so it's it's, uh, and then you find out what what, what yeah. it's all about as the film goes on. Yeah, uh, the, I, I, the opening of the film is really really good. The opening, <laughs> the opening of the film is so boys' own adventure. It is so it definitely it's yeah. so boys' own adventure. <laughs> it's uh, okay, cool. So um, that's welcome to Marwin. I mean, I would I would recommend it, and I know um, for people, it, I think this is one of these things where if you have been through something similar to what the character has been in the film, it might mean more to you. They, and, because I saw somebody on Facebook and they were just raving about how great it was and talking about people who have like have had psychological scars and triggers and what can set them off and all that stuff. Like there's a bit where he has to go to court and face his attackers and he can't handle it and he runs out of the room. And in his, and in his head, you sh- they show what it's like in his head and in his head is like a firefight. It's an absolute firefight and he just has to get out of there. And meanwhile, everybody's going... Mr. Hogan Camp, is everything okay? <laughs> that kind of stuff. So it's, yeah, yeah. I, I liked it. I wished it was a little bit deeper, but I liked it. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Shall we, car- shall we fire on? Yes. Let's go with, okay, now, July 22. Now, to July 22, I'm really, really interested about this, Sharon, because yes. this is a film that is, that almost sort of like, it show it, it goes to the heart of what we're talking about here. So this is Paul Greengrass, he of the Jason Bourne yeah. movies. He yeah, of... he's like a cinematic director. Exactly. He's a cinematic, he, he's a big deal. He's a big deal and he wants to put this film together and Netflix come in and go, hey, you, Mr. Big Deal, Mr. I'm not, I don't think he's won an Oscar. I don't think he's won an Oscar, but he's, but he, he's critically acclaimed. They're like, hey, come over here. It's like when we spoke about the Ballad of Buster Scruggs in the last episode, Sean. It's a similar thing. And Netflix go and say, filmmaker, come here. You want to make a film? We'll give you the money. Make a film. And he goes and makes this film, which it has a very limited release in cinemas, but is yes. everywhere, available everywhere, all around the world on the same day on Netflix. And so how does this go? Yeah, it basically, it goes through the events of um, the 22nd of July, 2011, which in, in, in Norway, it's just referred to like 9-11 is and whatever. It's known as, you know, the 22nd of July. It, that's just how everyone knows those attacks. But basically, a bomb was set off outside the Norwegian prime minister's offices and eight people were killed. And then the the terrorist... Um, went to this island where basically it was a youth camp for children who were the equivalent of our Labour Party. Like they were having like a rally for all their their young members. And he um, dressed as a police officer, posing as a police officer, got access to the island, and then proceeded to hunt them down, shoot them up, shoot them, and just just killed you know, so over sixty children because they're all teenagers on this island and a number of the adult supervisors who were there as well. So he was absolutely brutal and merciless in the way he attacked these, these children. Yeah. And I think the controversial aspect of this film, I think I've read a little bit about it afterwards is the fact that it shows it from his point of view. It goes a lot, very much about what he was, what his motivation was, what he was thinking. And it does give him a lot of airtime. But they try to balance that by focusing on one of the young people in particular. So you've got this Anders Breivik, who was the who was a neo-Nazi, a far-right person. Who they but part of the films you're not quite sure whether he's, you know, 
awfully sane <laughs> or whether he is criminally insane. He's so cold and so detached from the reality of what he's done that you don't know whether to believe that he was originally assessed as being a paranoid schizophrenic. And then other people said, no, 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 he's actually entirely responsible for what he's done and he's quite sane. So you see, you start off by seeing him preparing his bomb and preparing his weapons and then setting off and doing these, these awful things. And the first hour of the film is on the 22nd of July. So you see the bomb, you see different people sort of thinking, you know, they see the van part there and are going, hey, what's that van? Is it supposed to be there? And it highlighted the flaws in the security system around the, these government buildings. Yeah. And then you see these young people having a bonfire and having a playing football and having a really good time on this sort of, this camping holiday. And then you see him basically how calculated he was in how he dressed himself in this fake police uniform, how he had all the ID, he had all the bags, had all the gear, and he turns up at the island and they say, you've probably heard on the news about this bomb. Well, I'm here to make sure the island is safe. Oh, and they Lord. go, well, okay, okay. So they let him on the island. And then as soon as someone says, actually, could you, I'm not quite happy with what you're telling me here. They say, could you just show me your ID? And, you know, who's your supervisor again, did you say? And then, boom, he starts firing. And because he's dressed as a police officer, some of the children run towards him. Yeah. And at one point, he goes into a classroom, and you don't see it. But they go. he goes, it's okay, it's the police, it's the police. And they all come running towards him, and then you just hear gunfire. Now, now, and it's one of the rooms in which no one survives. Yeah, so from what I've heard about this film, uh, the, the bit about it is well, that's controversial about the film, and also I think it's quite controversial in real life. I heard Paul Greengrass in an interview with Empire Magazine, and he was talking about the fact that for him, it was how um, Norway had to fight because they, some people were like, we should just get rid of this guy. But they actually have a court case, which is documented in the film. Where Yeah, half of the film is about the court case. Yeah, and he says that as far as he's concerned, that's like, you know, it's, he, he, for him, he made this film because he was like, look, this is them fighting for a democracy. They didn't just say, obviously, this guy is horrible. Let's just lock him away. They said, no, we need to have a trial and we need to have this guy out there. So it seems like, so it, the film isn't just all about the attack. No, and it didn't end at the attack either, because that's when, because when I paused it, because I you know you take a break, it's so harrowing. You do take, a, I did take a break, yeah, and I paused it, and it had like it was halfway through the film, and I thought, hang on a minute, <laughs> what's that? What's more to tell? You normally yeah. they'll set the words to come up on the screen, you know, on this day, this many people died, and yeah. this man was later convicted of, and it wasn't that. You then go to see what happens next, and I think that one of the positive things about it is one of the the boys on the island was shot five times. He was shot like in both arms, both legs, and in the and through the head, and Sheesh. he and he lost an eye, and he's basically was he was he was protecting his younger brother, and he was shot shielding his brother, and then he told his his brother, you know, you've got to run, you've got to get out of here, and then because the gunman was focused on him, it gave the others a chance to just run. Well, temporarily, as it turns out, because some of them are later shot as well. But And then you see his recovery. You see him in hospital trying, being told, you know, what's happened to his other, his friends. And then to see him in his recovery. And then you follow his journey as they they set about setting out the court case. And you see that, first of all, he's like saying, I don't want to have anything to do with him. I don't want to see him again. I don't want to have anything to do with this. But as part of his own recovery, he thought, no, I have to face him because he's in my nightmares every day. I want to see him. Yeah. 
you know, justice done. And then you see his testimony of, you know, I've had to learn to walk again. I've had to learn to speak again. I've had to learn to be a human again, to be a son and a brother without my friends, without feeling safe, without feeling, you know, like this is my country anymore. And so you see this Anders Breivik, but you also see it through the eyes of this young, the young survivor. So it's, it's quite a harrowing film and it doesn't shy away from the, the court processes, <laughs> the fact that he had a lawyer and the lawyer, his solicitor, was basically chosen by Anders Breivik because he'd, he'd defended someone who had far-right leanings in the past and he'd said at the time, this solicitor said, everyone has a right to a defence. And so when he was arrested, he said, I want this guy as my solicitor. And you see the cost to this guy, how his family are bullied, how he's, he's told, you know, how can you possibly defend this, this mount monster? And how I'm saying that we need to present him as someone who either who is a monster, i.e. is insane, or to show him that this is Norway, you may be the monster by the fact that you've taken this action. We're not monsters. We're going to give you a fair trial and we're going to make sure that you get a defence. Mm. We're going to make sure that you get treated fairly. Because there's one scene where he says... Can I have some medical attention, please? When I shot someone in the head, a bit of their bone fragment cut my hand and I don't want to get an infection. And you see this tiny little scratch on his hand, but then you do see them bringing someone, tend to him, take care of it, and they carry on with the interview. And you know that everyone in that room thinks he... They want to top his hand off, (laughs) but they treat him with dignity, the more dignity than he showed his victims. So I think... Yeah, it's a harrowing film, but it probably needed to be made just to so to show that doesn't matter how awful these people are, there's still a defence against them by being civilised at the end of the day. That hate doesn't win. Yeah, you know the thing is, I I like the message of what Paul Greenwich is trying to do, but each time I've tried to I've thought of watching this film, I've just thought, I don't know, I don't think I want to do that. It's 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 because yeah, and it, it's it sounds like we kind of it's made like, in English. Yeah. Sometimes if you, because uh, when I first saw it, I thought if it was subtitled, it gives you a little bit of distance and yeah. sometimes it makes it a bit easier to watch something like this if, you, if you're reading because you create a barrier between you and the, what's happening. But it was all in Norwegian actors, but it was filmed in English. Yeah. And so, again, I found it quite emotional at times. I really was just, I couldn't believe it. And I was, part of me was thinking, how would I feel if that was one of my young friend or if that was someone I knew in that situation? And you couldn't comprehend it. You just couldn't comprehend it. So how many, how many stars would you give this? Again, I think I'd, I'd rate it highly, but I think with a codicil that, you know, it is a harrowing watch, but I'd give it a four out of five. All right. Is this a bit like... Another one. Yeah. Is this a bit like one of those films that you would say, um, I would like watch once and then never again or something like that? Yes. Absolutely. I, could, I couldn't watch it again. I couldn't see it through it again. <laughs> but oh. it was made me come away out of it sort of going, whoa. And, but thinking deeply about how do we deal with terrorism, you know, and terrorists. Yeah. They're out there. How, what is your response? Is it go like, shoot, line them up and shoot them all? And you think, is that not just feeding into the, the hate? You know, you have to have a response. And yeah. this man was given life imprisonment in solitary confinement. And I think that is a ghastly fate for anyone, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, oh. Well, uh, I might have to actually, like, you know, gird my loins and go watch that film. Because, yeah, it's a heavy one. Yeah, I, 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 I can only imagine. I can only imagine. All right. So, so far, from what I can see, we just, I, I think Netflix has brought some big hitters to this game. Netflix, <laughs> yeah. Netflix has brought some massive big hitters to this game. So, Sean, 
Now it is up to you to give cinema something to fight with because this is a okay. film. This is a film that is being spoken about for awards. Has actually won a couple of it won a couple of Golden Globes. It was the film that has been nominated for the most for the for the highest number of BAFTAs for this year. And this is the favorite, and you are the only one who's seen it. So tell us. <laughs> okay, the favorite. Well, um, yeah. What can we say about this film? It Poor did... old Queen Anne. Yeah, yeah, Queen Anne. So this is in the time of Marlborough, obviously. Yes. And um, it, it, it's a period that I'm not particularly. You know, this, you've got the Seven Years' War, which is like Barry Lyndon, and I, I don't know if people have seen Barry Lyndon. It's very much. It's shot that way with 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 some really yeah. really fantastic scenes she was our last Stuart queen she was the end of her line yeah so of that line that that's house. right so basically it's this and and basically she's got um the duke of Marlborough's wife is like a confident he built blenheim palace yes yes and sort of is more or less running the show and then this other lady turns up on the scene this other girl a cousin and slowly worms her way into the affections of queen anne and so Marlborough's wife sort of you know, becomes out of favour. And, and it's like a little bit of a rivalry. There's like a little, little bit of, well, lots of rivalry going on, really. So it's really, really well acted. Um, and I did actually, after this, I did go and do some research. And they are based on real characters. Yeah. It's based, you know, the the real... If you've ever been to Blenheim, you find a lot about Sarah Churchill. Yeah, because she was quite a, quite a powerful figure, wasn't she, really? Yeah. She built Blenheim, basically. Forget yeah. the Duke. She, the Duke. She, well, that's it. And all the time, she's, she's mm. trying to promote the Duke's. You know, she's trying to promote the Duke's. You know, oh, we must must send more his men. Interests, we must send yeah. his interests and all that. And it's all these alliances that are formed. And it's the rivalry. And I, I mean, I have to say, I know we're probably short on time. That, yeah, I, I think the reviews about this, sh- this film are great. I mean, I mean, the acting's superb. The acting is absolutely superb. All the characters are believable. And it just it, it hits all the right spots. Sometimes I think it was trying to be a little bit too Barry Lyndon-ish with, with, with some of the, the big, you know, the different lenses that they were shooting, the lenses and, and some of the rooms and some of the, the locations. So there was very much, yeah, I, I think it's quite a, quite a, you know, period piece. Yeah. Tr- tr- the acting's terrific. The acting's terrific. Yeah, because so. Olivia Coleman. I mean, she is. She's just having. She's just having a great time, quite frankly. And why not? Yeah. Because she's she's one of these act. You know how it is when you see an actor and you sort of adopt them and you sort of take them into your heart and you're like, I just want to see good things happen for them. <laughs> and I think Olivia <laughs> Coleman is definitely, definitely one of those for me. She's one of those who I just look at and I go, I just want to see great things happen for Olivia Coleman. And I think finally, people in America are beginning to actually notice her. Even though someone on Twitter, I saw they put something up and they went, it doesn't matter how many awards she wins, this will always be her greatest role. And it's a video of an <laughs> advert she was in. where It was an advert for years ago, and I remember the advert, I never realized it was her. And it's where this, this somebody pulls up at a, at a light, at a stoplight, and a couple pull up at a stoplight, another couple pull up at a stoplight, and they look across and it's the same couple seeing themselves. But one of them are like, you know, in a really, really nice posh car. And the other ones are, and it's Olivia Coleman who plays the, the woman of the couple. And, and I was like, oh my God, it was like before they were famous, look at her. But I think she's an amazing, amazing actress. And anything she's in, I am there for. Yeah. As I say, I, I, 
I don't think we've got a lot of time left, have we, Tozen? Well, have we, we, we have, we, we've been talking for 53 minutes and we have done six films. So, <laughs> by my Oh, point. right, okay. Oh, right, so we just said we've, got, we've got a few more things to do then. Yeah, yeah. But well, I would say, I, reckon I, we, I, reckon I won't go on too... Yeah. Yeah, I, I won't go on too much about this, but just to say that, that people probably need to go and see it. This is a four-star film. it's certainly worth a watch? It's certainly worth a watch. I think you'd enjoy it, Sharon. Yeah, because I, I, I... think I think you would. This would be yeah, your sort of film. Yeah, it's one of those films I was going to see, but it's got a 15 rating that made me hesitate with going to see with some of my friends. Wow. But another friend who's yeah. like, yeah, I'll well, watch it. Yeah, I mean, there is, there are, they, they do insinuate that there's, you know, a bit more there's to the more relationships, more, than more just, intimacy than, yeah. than just advice, you well, know, yeah. so that, and, and there is quite a lot of that. So that could upset some people. Yeah, yeah. exactly right. Exactly right. Because <laughs> yeah. most of us who know anything like, about Queen Anne at all, it's like her many pregnancies and her miscarriages yeah. and then their stillbirths That's and right. the loss of all her children. So yeah. she's sort of cuts a sad figure as well. Does she sort of cut, she cut that's a sad figure. She is, yeah. She, she, she is. She, she's very. But there's still yeah. moment, there's sort of moments of yeah. lightness in it. As yeah, well. there's moment of lightness in it where it's where it's quite funny. But yeah, she's definitely. You do feel really, really sorry for her, you yeah. know, because she's sort of between a rock and a hard place. She's, she's trying to manage these pregnancies. One year them, after. Yeah. Is it seventeen or nineteen? Pregnancies? Seventeen. Seventeen. I think. Yeah. Seventeen, and um, yeah, there, there is a there is some rabbits in it, which probably they wouldn't. I think during that time, rabbits would have been. Pests, so. or just but, yeah, food. Yeah, yeah food. I, I think I, but, I think the, because she had seventeen sort of like lost children, and uh, in the film she has seventeen rabbits. Yeah, so right. th- that's it. Yeah, and, and I think that was supposed to be like a, a like a sim- symbolism thing. And, yes. Um. Okay, we, so sh- by the way, Sharon, a more to d- but yeah, you give it a four. Like yeah, four. give it a four. Wow. So it's a big yeah. four star. And Sharon, and Sharon, hope, hope to see it. But it might come I on definitely Netflix. Definitely want to see it. You might well, come on Netflix if you miss then. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can let us know. You can let yeah. us know your what, what you thought. Okay. Because um, we always like we always like that, don't we? When someone sees something late and says, "That nah, was bloody rubbish." What the hell did you damn it? <laughs> or, or yeah, you was exactly right. You was exactly right. That was such a good movie. Yeah, we got some other things. So yeah, we we've how had, about I'd like we've had some epic fights. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if we could. I don't know if you could do Mary Poppins for us. Could Mary you? Poppins, because I really want to know about this one, and I haven't okay, seen cool. it. Yet. Okay, yeah, yeah, Blimey. we'll do that. We'll do that. But that is, uh, uh, have you guys? How much? How long have you guys got? I think I've, I reckon I've got about fifteen more minutes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, probably, cool. probably about about ten for me, Max. Right. I should think. All right. Close. Cool. Okay. Mary Poppins returns. Let's go. Let's go, Sharon. Mary Poppins returns. Um, as the title suggests, this is. Mary Popping, Pepp Poppins, popping back into Poppins. the lives Hello, of Poppins. the Banks children. <laughs> so, but they're not totally things anymore. They've now grown up and they're sort of what the, the children in the original film are now, you know, well into their sort of adult years. And the, the is it Michael? Michael, Michael yeah, Michael, yeah, Michael Banks. Yes. Michael, Michael he now has, he's, He's widowed and he now has three young children and his life is falling apart. He took out an ill-advised loan and basically the bank is saying, you know, if you don't pay your loan, you've defaulted on payments for the last three months and now the, the loan is due. You have five days to pay or you lose everything. <laughs> you will seize your house and we will seize all your property as collateral against the loan. And so you then, the, the, the story ensues that, you know, panic has filled the house and the children are thinking, what can we do to sort of help the family? And the, the family are in desperate need. And the children are one day riding, go running through the park because there's no groceries in the house. And they, they're sent out on an errand to buy some shopping 
and they, they're given some money by their father and they look at it and they sort of say, grown up beyond their years, that's not enough money, is it, to buy bread and to buy what we need? They said, no, oh, well, we'll just have to ask for day-old bread and see what we can get with it. So these children who've lost the innocence or the, the carefreeness of their childhoods almost because of circumstances. Oh, wow. So one of the little boys, he grabs, um, whilst they're looking for, you know, different assets in the they believe they've got some shares in in a bank yeah the, the banks the big bank and so they say right we need to find the share certificate and whilst they're looking jane and michael will go and start clearing out some of their childhood things and they throw out the kite that they used to let's go fly a kite with yeah they they take that one out and they throw it away but then a strong wind lifts the kite out of the rubbish bin and it goes tumbling through the park and it gets hooked up on a nanny <laughs> and then little Georgie Banks goes running after the the kite and then he starts to reel it in, helped by a lamplighter who yeah. just happens to be there. They reel in and they reel in a nanny with okay. the kite. And there comes back Mary Poppins. All right. Okay, cool. So now obviously the big question with this film, because I think that's all you need to know as a setup, because the rest of the film, yep. I think to hear anything else is just a spoiler. And who wants to spoil it's that? It's just it. Yeah, I, don't, I can't give any more away. Hopefully it should be magical. But the, the, the real thing that everybody wants to know is, should they have bothered? Should they have gone back and touched Mary Poppins? Should they have touched a classic? Well, I was quite sceptical at the beginning because I thought, why bother? But then I looked and thought, well, actually, there are about six or seven Mary Poppins books. Yeah. So there's plenty of, there's plenty of material out there to do, you know, more Mary Poppins stuff. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking, have they got the right actress? Have they got the right sort of setup? And at the beginning, I thought Mary Poppins' accent, they met Emily Blunt when she was doing the whole Mary Poppins voice. To me, it felt a little bit forced. Yep. And I thought, this doesn't sound like this is your natural speech pattern. You know, to me, it sounded a little bit too much. But apart from that, I thought, yeah, it has that same joyfulness, that same um, fantastical elements of it, you know, where they have adventures, and the music is sort of skippy. You can imagine yourself skipping to many of the songs <laughs> in this in this film. And so yeah, I think it does capture the feel of it. But I think, yeah, with all these things, we tend to be a little bit precious about original films that are much beloved. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think there was certainly Nostalgic. scope in the, original, in the original material to say, yeah, there is more to Mary Poppins than just the one book. Though I haven't read them all, though I do believe people think some of them are better than others of the books. Always. But they certainly, is, there, is, there is quite a lot of um, scope there to expand the Mary Poppins universe. But yes, the children are very good. Emily Bontman, you get used to, are very good. Some of the cameos are corkers. Others... <laughs> Not quite so much. Mm. And there's the, the occasional really ropey accent. So it, it is Mary Poppins. <laughs> it is Disney's Mary Poppins. So how many stars? So how many how many stars? Oh, I think I'd probably have to give it a four as well. Ooh. I'm all I'm fours all the fours way tonight. Than you are. Yeah, you've been yeah. lucky. You've had a good four. What's the bingo calling for all the fours? Is it just all the fours? I have no idea. It's all the fours <laughs> then. The fours so it's four. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> clickety click. Clickety click. Yeah, I've oh, got oh. no idea. I don't know what the scores on the doors. Forty fours. But... Yeah, that would do. <laughs> all right, cool. So, Sean, prayer before dawn. A prayer oh, before dawn. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. This is um. This was a film that I saw, uh, obviously, obviously on Netflix, and um, it's basically based on a true story of a of a, a guy that gets banged up in in a prison in Thailand. Oh yeah. And it's yeah. So, but and it's how he, he 
sort of worked its way out through through Mai Tai Thai boxing, but the prison scenes are really, really quite extreme. It's quite an extreme movie. Midnight quite, Express extreme. Yeah, more so, more so, Ooh, okay. more, more more than that. Wow. I would say. Um, but it was it was a it was a yeah. I mean, it was a really powerful powerful movie, and it's quite violent and it's quite nasty and. I never, 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 ever want to go to prison <laughs> anywhere, anywhere <laughs> in one of those countries. <laughs> so, so Unless it's just Bridget a Jones, right She had quite a nice time, if I remember. In Bridget Jones. Bridget Jones, the second one. She ends up in she a ended up prison. In a prison in Thailand. In Thailand, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. She quite enjoyed it. Yeah. So, so this is based on a true story, that, and it's so he gets that's he gets borderline enjoyed. It's borderline. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so sure. So, sure. Yeah, come. Yeah, and um, it's so yeah, it's based on a true story because the guy turns up. Actually, funny enough, you say Midnight Express. There's a scene at the end where, like, the guy's in prison and and his father turns up, and the guy playing his father is the actual guy that was was um oh, wow. was actually that, that all this stuff happened to. You know what I mean? But I mean, it's it's brutal. It's a brutal, brutal movie. Oh, um, good. I, but it's believable as well. I remember. Hmm? Th- I remember them talking about this film. It wasn't in cinemas for long. Uh, so I was going to say, I, I, I just sort of, I've thought, never heard I, th- of it. I thought that would be quite interesting to see, you know. So um, I watched it, and and because I mean, sometimes when I, you know, like we're saying, like if you watch a film on TV, you you can do other stuff, yeah. which yeah. I sometimes tend to do. You know, I like make a cup of tea, or or being as it was sort of Christmas time, eat chocolates or stuff <laughs> like that. But I was actually really focused on this movie, hmm. um, and. I mean, I, I don't know if the Thai people in prison, if it was a real prison, but it, it was it seemed pretty authentic, you know. Oh. And and they're like, because they have these, they don't have individual cells; they have like big yeah. dorms yeah. where they, you know, and like there's this hierarchy, and they're just like real bullies okay. and all sorts of nasty things. Sean, should I just go ahead and put four down for this? Put four down for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, cool, cool, good stuff. But it's not; it probably wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay, so, um, so Sharon, Last Kingdom. Series three and four, quickly. So this is used yeah, to be so, on the BBC. Netflix went and grabbed it. Yeah, based on a series of books by Bernard Cornwall about the life of Uhtred, son of Uhtred of Babenberg, who is a Saxon-born noble who was um, captured and raised as a Dane, and now was taken. He was brought born in a Christian Saxon household, and then was taken enslaved by in a Danish household and he became an adopted son so he's taken on like their pagan religions and their pagan ways yeah and basically he was dispossessed and he's headed south and he's joined up with Alfred in Wessex and he's become a sworn man of okay. Alfred and so he's we, fought alongside him and this is the continued adventures of Uhtred yeah so yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that this is something that if someone has was a fan of it they would have watched seasons one and two so, and you've watched seasons one and two. So, I, th- so three and four. What yes. did you think? I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking of Sean because I, I know Sean you got ahead. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's that's it. But um, yeah, I was just saying. I did see the ones when it was on BBC. I actually yeah. watched this because I like the Alfred thing. Hated Alfred in this. Hated <laughs> Alfred in this. Sorry, sorry. He isn't Alfred the Great as we we know. Him. No, 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 no. He isn't Alfred the Great. <laughs> yeah. So this is basically set five years after the last season, and it's yeah, sort of. More Danes invading Wessex or planning to invade Wessex. It's like the Great Army mm-hmm. versus like the Saxons holding out in Wessex and, you know, building up their alliances with Mercia and sort of fighting this sort of Danish, the Dane law, basically. So, yeah, if you like that world, that sort of dark ages, 
as it was as we know it mm-hmm. because you know a lot of it wasn't written down till later so it's yeah it's an interesting so i like that period of okay. history and I, so, I find it I interesting so up? i enjoyed Has it so, toughened up no he hasn't toughened up. <laughs> okay, so, so, you see, so you see, everything you said right now, I am as clueless as I was when people were talking about all the different areas in Game of Thrones before I watched a simple episode. I was like, uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah, 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 sound. Token place, token place, token sound in place. Yeah, yeah, whatever. So so how many stars, <laughs> how many stars would you give it? I'd say it's enjoyable. I'd give it a three. It's, nothing, it's, nothing, it's not Shakespeare, but it's, you know, it's enjoyable. So three. All right, cool. And I think uh, a final... Uh, Final Netflix is six days. What do you uh, so quickly, Sharon? What do you think about this? So you already explained well, that it's about the SAS, um, the Iranian yeah. embassy siege, yeah, yeah. and yeah. how the SAS see it. So because most of this has been classified for many, many years, for the first time, I think in the last few years, they've actually started to name some of the people who are involved in this operation. Yep. And so you see it from like it's a three-handed approach. You see it from the viewpoint of the police. And the negotiators, you see it from the viewpoint of the hostage takers. Yep. And then you see it from the viewpoint of the SAS and how the three stories interact. So how the SAS operation was planned and then executed, how the police tried to prevent bloodshed by negotiating, and then how the hostage takers kept trying to, you know, make all these demands. And they were being strung along, basically. They were told, yeah, 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 we'll get your bus. Yeah, 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 we'll get you a flight to wherever yeah. you want to go. Yeah, yeah, we'll release all your political prisoners. And then as soon as they're like off the phone, the police said, there's no way they're getting a bus. There's no way they're getting on a plane. And there's no <laughs> way they are getting anyone released. And so it's basically how to not get everyone inside the embassy killed because you think, we can't let them know that, but they're not going to get anything. And so okay. all the time they're negotiating, the SAS are then preparing. They've got built a, they've built a model of the embassy in like this warehouse. I mean, and they're this. planning the raids. This. I, mem- I remember this yeah. actual happening. So um, it looked like it was all spare at the moment, but yeah. it was so meticulously planned. Yeah, yeah. And so they were in there and it was sorted out like within half an hour. Within, you know, it was like it was dealt with, boom. But it shows the, how meticulous they were mm. in planning that the relief of the hostage siege with the loss of, I think, no hostages were killed in the, when they tried to free them, but two had been killed during the process of the siege. Mm. Okay. But yeah, they managed to take out all of the the hostage takers bar one who was who was arrested all the others were killed by the storming by the SAS so yeah it's basically and that's a Netflix by the one, numbers it? it's a Netflix, a, film, yeah. Netflix film Jamie yeah. Bow plays Rusty who's the SAS guy yeah I've seen that Mark Strong plays Bauer. the police superintendent wow. negotiator Mark Strong and I, I, there <laughs> is a recognised I don't recognise the guy who played the head hostage taker but I, I just couldn't place him but yeah so they're there that the three main leads are, are recognisable Okay, and uh, so, so... Oh, yeah. but the Kate, the guy, Kate, they, they have it from the point of view as well, I'm sorry, of Kate Ady and the BBC reporting of it, because that made a big part in the whole telling of the story. Yeah. And the person who played Kate Ady, um, Abby Cornish, was dreadful. It was the worst impression of <laughs> Kate Ady I've ever seen. <laughs> that was the down point, because every time she appeared on screen, I'm thinking... That is just so not Kate <laughs> But if you didn't know her, it's fine. But because we know she's part of our, like, she's iconic, isn't she? Yeah. Her accent, it just was so forced and it was so, ugh. It was, that was the only down point of the whole thing. Okay. So, How many stars in? Yeah. Three. Three. Okay. Because the, the, that's a film that also didn't have, didn't spend that long in cinemas. All right, cool. And Tulip Fever. This is a film that has been delayed for about five years. Was oh. it worth, was it worth the wait? Quickly. I don't think so. I think it would have been better on television as a miniseries and they, they spread it out a bit. I think they tried to squash too much into the time they had and so it didn't really feel like it was well-developed at okay. all. So it's basically, um, I'd give that a three as well. 
three. All right, cool. Good stuff. And so that leaves me with Bumblebee and to all the boys I've loved before. So Bumblebee... Phew. Ready, steady, go. Yeah. Bumblebee is a film. This is the new Transformers movie. And all I can say is that there is more joy packed into the first five minutes of this film than there is in five Michael Bay Transformers movies. That is my, hey. <laughs> that is my review. There's bits of this where you go, yay! But there's bits of it where I think it drags a bit. I would give it a three. And um, to all the boys I've loved before, now this is a film that's on Netflix. It was a really, really popular novel. I think Netflix, this is what they're doing. They're taking really popular novels and that, know, that Hollywood isn't really looking at and going, yeah, we'll give you money, yeah. make a film. And, we'll, and I know with this film, there was a lot of uh, rubber uh, fighting about whether they wanted to actually cast the original actress as it, she was in the book, which is she was half Korean, half, half Caucasian. And or Hollywood's okay. Turner White, Netflix said, no, we'll let her be half Korean, half Caucasian. They went there. It's quite a good film. It's quite a good teen comedy. I would say three. I can't really tell what? you I can't really tell you what's about it, but I'll say go, go, go watch it anyway. All right, cool. And now with Sean legging it out of the door, it is time to give us a <laughs> verdict in this round. We've had like what? This is this has been like 12 rounds. We've had 12 rounds of this of this ding dong battle. Don't worry, next week we'll be <laughs> Next week will be will be fewer films, I promise. And I think I need to be sponged off. Yeah, yeah. I've been Okay, I've been collecting the scores of his as we've been going along. And guys, this is close. This this is close. So between these two films, we have an average. One of them has an average of three point five, and uh, oh, sorry, one and another one has an average of three point three. Wow. Yeah, three point three. Wow. And the winner this week is Netflix. Um, I was going to say oh. Netflix, right? Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, so apparently, over the, over close, the Christmas a close, break, a close call. It was a close call. It was a close call. But the winner this week is that Netflix. We had more fun with what we saw on Netflix than we did in the cinema. Well, I think there's a lot to unpack that we can do next week. But I think yes. we've we've taken a lot of time. Sean, you have to leg it off. Thank you so much. I do, I do. I have to go. And That's all right. We That's will right. see you guys. We'll see you guys again next week. See you soon. Yeah. 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 See uh, you later. Yeah. When I plan to be watching Roma by Alfonso Cuaron, which is on Netflix, which is being yelled about for Oscars yet again. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, until then, see you guys. Good night. Bye. Sean? Yeah, we're still oh, here. Oh no, I thought Sean had already gone. I thought Sean was going to say goodbye. No, no, I'm still here because we've got to, <laughs> got to do a couple of bits and bobbins, isn't we? Okay, cool. All right. Okay, so Sean, you're going to go say goodbye. Yeah, I'm going to. Uh, yeah, I'll say goodbye now. Bye-bye. <laughs> bye, bye. Bye, bye. All right, see you guys. Bye.